Cougar Nation, welcome again aboard the BYU Hype Train podcast. Folks, we got a loaded show for you today, and not just because there's a ton of BYU news circling about, we also got an extra host to come and join us. So as always, we got Trevor Levitt and Hunter Miller, but Chandler, would you like to, to introduce yourself? Yeah, how's it going? I was on the pod just about a month ago. It's good to be back. Um, I have some writing experience before with a few different football websites covering the NFL draft. Uh, so comfortable topic for me. Uh, love the Cougs, and it's good to be here. Back like you never left, bringing out the resume, reading off the LinkedIn profile. <laughs> <laughs> we got the quad box going on the screen, like a nice NFL red zone Sunday morning. Got all hands on deck for what should be a very full uh, episode of the Hype Train podcast. And I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so let's let's first to give a rundown of things we are absolutely 1000% not going to talk about. Uh, first of which is Zach Wilson and the New York Jets uh, for reasons that are probably obvious. I feel like I feel like we need to give Trevor a chance to disavow the Jets. No. Okay. If anything, I've learned actually that like as much as I love Zach, like watching Mike White ball out was not as Trevor. destructive to my mood as I thought it would be. Uh, and that concludes our segment on the New York Jets. <laughs> we'll give you a chance every week. If you ever won't, I will. I'll disavow him. It's okay. I don't care about him anymore. It's fine. Load off am, my shoulders. I am all aboard the Detroit Lions bandwagon now with Jamal Williams leading the NFL in the touchdowns. Jamal train. Yes. All he does. Nothing better than watching Thanksgiving uh, football and, you know, Cougs balling out in the NFL. It's just, it's a match made in heaven. Did you see his breakdown of his touchdowns, like how far out they are? No, it's, like it's pretty three like yard. like eight like eight of them are are a yard. Hey, finds the end zone. That's all no, you can ask. Well, that's, well, that's, I, mean, that's, I just thought, I just thought it was funny. It was just, do do oh, you absolutely. know how badly I wish that we had a running back that could gain a yard <laughs> when we needed a yard? You say that like Chris Brooks isn't averaging like six yards a carry. Well, yeah, but not on third and one. Well, because they don't give it to him on third and one. <sighs> they give they it get, to Jared. They give it to Jared. And now he's with hurt. No lead blocker. And that's our Stanford oh. recap. Yeah. That's our Zach Wilson talk and our Stanford recap. <laughs> Moving on. If we if if I can just say one thing on the Stanford game, uh it was nice to watch a boring BYU game for once, even though it kind of got weird at the end a little bit there. But my gosh, that that play when Jaron got hurt. I'm sure that you know Rapati ran the wrong way and that it was just like a broken play and Jaron had to go pick it up. It's just like, how bad can we be on fourth down? I mean, I just give it to Houston. Just give it to Houston or at least have him in the game. Like it's the last game of the he's year. You need play. a yard. He's, he's had two plays all season and, and they've been an a lead block blocks. for a touchdown <laughs> and a pancake block that led to a first down. Like, And on fourth and one, they're like, no, don't I, need him. <sighs> I was screaming at the TV because like they pulled Houston twice and he blew up his linebacker like assignment. And like both times I'm like, this is what we've been talking about all year. Like he's putting guys on their, like he's putting guys on their butts. Like this is all that we've ever wanted. And yet it, it takes him having to play against his former team for us to see him on the field. I don't know. It was just weird. And even then for like two plays. Yeah. But I think we can all agree the most interesting thing about the Stanford game was what happens after the Stanford game. Uh, so let's get into what we're actually going to talk about, um, which starting off, 
BYU is in the market for a new defensive coordinator. Uh, how happy are we uh, about this? Or how are we feeling about this latest development? Bronco Mendenhall, come on down. <laughs> Perhaps. Here's a question I, for you. How can many I interest former, you in a little Gary Patterson? How many former Perhaps BYU guys, how many former BYU players can you name as potential defensive coordinators before you get to one real candidate? Nick Halton. Let's play a game. Jordan Pendleton. <laughs> Colby Clawson. Jordan Pendleton is the one they're throwing out for strength and conditioning. I'd be thrilled with that too. Dude, Jordan's a tank. Oh yeah. I think we, we got some, we might have some news on strength and conditioning as well. However, uh, one of my favorite things about Cougar Nation, uh, and I do love you all deeply, but one of my favorite things is that for, you know, the last, the last two months and really the last couple of years, we've been getting so angry at Kalani for only hiring his buddies, as you say. And then the moment a defensive coordinator job opens up, the first people we go to are our buddies that used to coach at BYU uh, three years ago, even though they haven't really done much since. It's just, it's, it's funny. Cause it's like, Oh man, like Tuiaki sucks. Like Kalani only hired him cause he was his buddy. You know, who we should really get, Kelly Papinga. That's the answer. And before we get any further, like I just wanted on record, I would like to have Kelly Papinga on staff as like an assistant to, I guess, assistant to the assistant, like a position coach. I don't want him as full blown defensive coordinator, but I think he would be a great linebackers coach uh, depending on, you know, who we bring in and what they want to do with, you know, coach Clune or, you know, have him coach positions or something like that. I'd, I just don't want him as the, you know, lead defensive coordinator because I do think BYU needs someone with a fresh set of eyes and outside opinions and, uh, you know, a vast uh, array of experience and not just coach to BYU for a little bit and then follow Bronco Mendenhall to Virginia. <laughs> he needs to be the the Dwight Schrute to BYU's Michael Scott, the the assistant to the regional to manager. The assistant. Yes. I mean, so who's the Michael Scott and, then? <laughs> but to your point, like, I really like Kelly Papinga as a linebackers coach because, like, when he was at BYU, the linebackers were stellar. He he coached Kyle Vanoy, he coached Fred Warner, uh, Alani Fua, uh, Sioni Takitaki for a little bit. I'm not. It was Harvey Longy in that pipeline as well. Uh, if Sione was, I Harvey would have been. Yeah. So like, the dude didn't miss when it came to linebackers at BYU, which I which we could use some really solid linebackers right about now. Um, but beyond that, we've, we've listed off the, the hot name candidates, which are probably not going to be the real thing. Uh, let's go around and who are your, I guess, go down your hot board of who you'd like to see be the, the defensive coordinator. What's up the new guy? Uh, go first Chandler. Sounds good. I was just about to point out, uh, you're talking about, you know, Kalani hiring his buddies and some of the criticism that's been received over that. It's totally fair to look at Kalani's past and see who he's coached with before. Uh, one of the top candidates that we've been discussing is Derek Odom from San Jose State has really helped turn things around there. And he did coach with Kalani at Oregon State, uh, where Derek Odom, I think, was the defensive backs coach. Um, so plenty of experience there. He took a group at San Diego, sorry, San Jose State that was outside of the top 100 in defensive rank. And then I believe they're what top 20, 30 now. Um, and obviously 
doesn't need to be said that San Jose State is not exactly a recruiting powerhouse. I don't think it was because he's bringing in four and five star recruits, uh, but he's been able to do a lot uh, with the talent that he has. And we certainly need that here at BYU. So him, probably, he'd probably be my top pick. And then uh, one of the other names there is Frank Miley as well. Love. What about you, Trev? Yeah, sorry. I was just looking up um, because one of the guys that stood out to me is Sean Nua. He's the USC uh, defensive line coach. Uh, He's one that jumps out uh, for a couple of reasons. One, obviously, is USC is experiencing a ton of success and, you know, hope that success continues on Saturday uh, against whoever they're playing. I'm not sure. But Friday. uh, whatever it is, whoever they're playing, uh, wish nothing but a blowout win for the Trojans. But uh, this is a defensive lineman coach that hasn't had defensive coordinator um, experience yet. Um, But when you look at his guys, the guys he's in charge of, uh, just like quickly glancing on here, he's coaching a D-line that has about 17 sacks. Um, one in particular, Tuli Tupulotu, uh, has 12 and a half by himself. Um, and this has been something that we've discussed often on this podcast is that the defense that we've tried to run here at BYU, like the personnel that we've tried to have at BYU has been one that's more successful in the defensive lineup fronts, getting push and getting pressure. Um, and what better way to do that than with a guy that's has a top, frankly, a potential playoff team and their defensive line playing well. Um, I think when you have a guy like Kalani who's coached the defense and who's had success at uh, the defensive side of the ball before, uh, I think he has the mentor that can help him figure out um, what his coaching philosophy is, what he wants maybe his defensive like base to be. Um, he certainly has people in the room that are willing to help him out. And I, and I think he could be a solid hire uh, to pull him away from the Pac-12 and bring him to the Big 12. Those are all good ones. Um, I subscribe to kind of the Jeff Hansen school of thought when it comes to the defensive coordinator search. And he mentioned in his article this week uh, for 24-7, both Derek Odom as well as uh, Sean Nua. I probably would lean more towards Derek Odom just because he's a current defensive coordinator. He knows the work that it takes and he has a proven track record of taking what was a pretty bad defense and turning them into what is now a pretty good defense, albeit at the Mountain West Conference level. But he at least knows the kind of workload, um, the strategy, the, you know, the effort that it's going to take to really be a defensive coordinator and to do it right. Like being a position coach is a lot different than coaching the entire defense. Uh, and I think Sean New is certainly capable, but I prefer to kind of go with someone who has defense, prior defensive coordinator experience, and that would be Derek Odom. Uh, and he's coached, you know, across the secondary as defensive backs coach. He's safeties coach. Uh, he was the safeties coach at the University of Utah. Um, so he has local ties here. He also played for the University of Utah. Uh, he was a two-sport athlete, defensive back for uh, Utah, and a center fielder for the baseball team. Um, but if I'm going to go a direction that neither of you have gone so far, and it is one that is thrown out there with all the names of former BYU players and former BYU coaches, and it's a guy that's coaching, you know, 45 minutes up the freeway from where I'm currently sitting, and that's Jay Hill at 
Weber State and he's the head coach there. And we've obviously seen what Weber State's been able to do over the last few years and become kind of a powerhouse at the FCS level. I didn't take it seriously um, until I saw Jake Edmonds tweet today. Now, if you don't know Jake, he's former uh, talking sports host at KUTV. He worked at, you know, KUTV, um, I believe as well, KMYU, uh, just, you know, local news stations here in the state. He's since moved on, but he's obviously still connected. He tweeted out three days ago. He said, if I see one serious BYU defensive coordinator list that includes Bronco, Jay Hill, or Morgan Scally, I will come to your house and steal your Christmas presents. And then today, four hours ago, said I might be stealing my own Christmas presents, which makes me <laughs> think that he's hearing something about either Bronco, Jay Hill, or Morgan Scally. And I'm pretty confident it's not Bronco or Morgan Scally, which means that he's probably heard a little something about Jay Hill possibly coming to Provo uh, to be the defensive coordinator. It would obviously be a step down in terms of title, right? Going from a head coach to a defensive coordinator. But it, you know, obviously include probably a pay raise for Coach Hill as he goes from the FCS level to being a coordinator on a Power Five football program. So before I respond to that, there's probably some context we need to add. I, I need to add before I say what I'm thinking about Jay Hill. Um, so it's safe to assume that with the with Tuiaki stepping down, I think it's safe to assume that every position coach is on the chopping block. And that includes guys like Ed Lamb. Uh, I don't expect Ed Lamb to, to be back next season. Um, I think – so BYU fans have been on Twitter asking like, okay, we're hearing that this news is going to drop and it's never dropping. I think the reason we're not really hearing anything about other coaches right now is that the coaches will probably still – all the coaches will probably still be on staff until the bowl game. Um, they're, they're keeping them on the payroll. They're going to help game plan. Um, and it's for the benefit of the players. So shout out to all the coaches who uh, are probably not going to have jobs here in a couple of weeks that are sticking around to, to continue to uh, help this BYU program move forward, to continue to help recruiting as, you know, national signing day is coming up. Um, I mean, that's awesome. But I think where Jay Hill's name pops up is probably not so much in the defensive coordinator role, but as an assistant head coach role. Uh, to, to replace what the, the role that Ed Lamb has been filling so far for BYU, which honestly, like, I, I think, I think it's probably unrealistic to expect Jay Hill to, to go from, you know, head coach to defensive coordinator, even if it's, you know, moving up a division and probably getting your salary quadrupled. Uh, however, the assistant head coach title, I think is probably a little bit more in line with what Jay Hill is looking for. Um, Jay has, or coach Hill has obviously had a really successful career at Weber state. Um, I think he's actually in the, the Kyle Whittingham tree. Uh, and he's been a, a hot button name to, to maybe replace Kyle Whittingham someday. That's my only hesitation, uh, with bringing on Jay Hill is that I feel like BYU might be a little bit of a stepstone to the job that he really wants. Cause at the end of the day, I think, uh, someone's gonna have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he actually played at Utah. Um, yeah, he started at Rick's Junior College uh, and then Utah for his last two seasons. Then was a right. Utah grad assistant, Utah cornerback coach, Utah tight end, cornerbacks, running backs, tight ends, till he was the head coach at Weber State in 2014. Right. So, I mean, he's a Utah guy. So that's like, that's my yeah. biggest, that might be my biggest concern is like, how so is Derek probably out the door. 
in the next couple of years. But I mean, Derek Odom is coached with Kalani. So I think sure. that's where uh, that, that relationship is there. All that said though, and please do not tell any Utah fans that I said this, I think we could probably use someone on staff who subscribes to the Kyle Whittingham philosophies. Uh, I mean, doesn't Kalani? I mean, it's Kalani clear that it's, Kalani as a coach. Kalani is, you know, the Kyle Whittingham tree. Right. But I, I think as far as culture between the two programs, I'm not sure they could be much, they could sure. be much different. Um, I think like, I guess what I see when I, when I watch Weber state play football, which admittedly is not very much, I see a very similar philosophy to, though, to what Utah does where they, they run the football well. They play really aggressive, solid defense. Um, and most importantly, he recruits. Uh, I think he understands the need for talent, um, whereas I think BYU's current situation on the defensive staff or, their, or I guess their previous issues on the defensive staff, they didn't really believe in recruiting. They believed in developing. They believed in game planning. Um, and I think any of these candidates that we've mentioned so far are going to be a step up in that regard. Cause to be honest, like I honestly don't care what philosophy, like whether or not we run a four, three or a three, four next year is not nearly as important as what kind of uh, work ethic we're going to put into recruiting. Cause I can't like, tr I mean, truth be told, there's like very prominent recruits that BYU is chasing in future classes on defense that have still never met Eliza Tuiaki. And that like, that can't happen. Uh, and I, I don't think that's going to happen under any of the, the candidates that we've mentioned so far. So based off of what you're saying, is there a realm of possibility where, where more than one of these guys on this list are on the staff? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I, that's not sourced, but I mean, if I could, if I could build out my dream staff on defense, it would be Jay Hill coming in as an assistant head coach. It would be Greg, uh, sorry, Derek Odom. Greg Odin. That's the Blazers <laughs> guy, right? Greg, Greg uh, Odin. Greg Odin, sorry. Uh, Derek, <laughs> channeling my inner Dave McCann. Hifo, Trinaman. Uh, Derek Odom as defensive coordinator. Uh, I mean, right now, I think Kelly Papinga, if I'm not mistaken, is he an analyst on Boise staff or is he a linebackers coach? Um, let me look it up. I mean, I'd love to, but I'd love to see him come back as a linebackers coach like we've discussed before. Um, I'm not sure Sean knew is kind of an interesting one. I know that like he is the, the defensive line coach at USC, formerly at Michigan, but I think he also has like, there, there's some family stuff that's kind of tying him to, uh, USC right now. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure he's like full-time as the defensive line coach. Uh, so, so Kelly is the co-special teams coordinator and edge coach at Boise state. Okay. So well, which if Ed Lamb is gone, you also need special teams. I mean, special teams is such like a weird position though. But that's what uh, I'm saying is you could bring Kelly in as special teams and edge. Right. And that fills the void of a possible Ed Lamb departure. So, I mean, any of those guys. And then obviously I want to keep, uh, I want to keep Guilford as our, our DB's coach. I think he does a great job. It's important that we have, you know, a double minority on the staff to, to help recruit. And honestly, he's probably the only defensive coaching or coach right now that I trust to recruit super hard. So like, as far as like a dream staff goes, that's what it would be, whether or not that's realistic, probably not, but a kid can dream, right? Just taking all the candidates and 
hiring them all. But but I mean like <laughs> Dream on. I, mean, I like it, but, yeah. But let's, let's be real, it. like all these position coaches on that are currently at like Boise State or San Diego State that we're referencing right now. Oh, BYU yeah. to the Big 12 would be a step up. Like that's not a For lateral sure. move anymore like it was, you know, six yeah. months ago. Yeah, even if it was lateral in terms of title, it's a step up in terms of pay and recognition, you know, spotlight. Right. And, and and obviously another... for like for guys like Kelly, like even if right. it was a lateral move, like I don't want to speak for Kelly, but probably rather be coaching in Provo at BYU than in Boise for Boise State. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, this is like, this is I don't home, know. Right? I don't know. I mean, it's home is Evanston, Wyoming, which I guess is closer to Boise than it is Provo uh, in terms of lifestyle. Why would anyone live to? Why would anyone live in Evanston? Anyways, I don't know. That's where the Papingas are from. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I'm fair. I, I'm safe in assuming. Like, I don't know anything. I don't know Kelly personally, but I feel like he'd probably rather coach in Provo than coach in Boise. Yeah. What do you think, Chandler? Uh, wasn't there a uh, quote by the great late Lavelle Edwards about living in Wyoming and winning in Provo, <laughs> something like that? It was Laramie specific, but I think uh, the, okay, same, the same applies to Boise. Yeah, fair. I was about apply. to repeat that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Rebecca, really, any, really anything north of Ogden. If but, if he if it's about if he says it about Laramie, that's like the most dolled up part of Wyoming. So if he's talking about Laramie, it applies to every piece of Wyoming. I promise. Except for except for the say, Tetons. I'd, I'd love to live in Jackson if I could afford a million dollar apartment. My gosh, I would I would live in I would live by the Tetons in a heartbeat. Um, yeah. But also, speaking of Boise State, have we brought up Frank Mila yet? Not yet. I think if we're, I mean, if we're choosing candidates for defensive coordinator, I like Frank Miley is a, is interesting because right now he's this, uh, he's he's basically the Ed Lamb of Boise State. So I'm not sure if he would go down in title. Um, but him as a defensive coordinator, I know that we discussed at length after the Boise State game how Boise State's defense was a paper tiger. But as of now, they're a top five defense in college football. Uh, so Frank Miley has played a big part in that defense. I think he was the defensive coordinator at Utah state before. Um, I'm interested to like, he wasn't excellent at Utah state, but I'm interested to see what he would do with talent, uh, on the roster. Um, but he's another name that I, I would love, uh, if, if he ended up at, at BYU. Yeah. I mean, small sample, capacity. small sample size. He was two and two as the interim head coach for Utah state. Um, but remember, the players really wanted him hired. But they and were like, the, what was, year was was that 2020? That was 2020, and there and then there was the oh, whole they were, thing fiasco about the about his well, race being yeah being Polynesian yeah but, yeah being Polynesian but, being Mormon and the university president there there was that whole right. Re yeah. But record aside, two and two with that Utah State team is a miracle because yeah. that that team was very he's, very bad. He's also only 40, so he's young. Uh, got his whole a lot of energy ahead of him. He'll hit the recruiting trails. He's the current assistant head coach, so the Ed Lamb, um, also defensive line. So you could bring him in. Like I don't know how much that assistant head coach title like means to him, and if he would take just a defensive line coach role for BYU again. Like he's a Utah guy. He's from Kearns, played at Utah State, coached at Utah State. Like he's a Utah guy. Um. You know, I don't know if just being defensive line would be incentive enough for him to come 
back home to Utah and coach for BYU, but I don't think it's, you know, out of the question. Right. Like if BYU could, you know, give them a bump and pay now that the big 12 money is coming in, who knows, but yeah, he's, I mean, went to to Alta high school. Like he's, he's Utah through and through. But how, like, I mean, I hope we can get any of these guys, but like how awesome is it that all of these guys have successfully coached defensive line (laughs) and are coaching, coaching defense that know how to like pressure the quarterback and get to him. You mean a safety coaching defense line's not ideal? We're not talking about. We're not talking about this. <laughs> Speaking of pressure, just wanted to point out that Derek Odom's defense this year has 37 sacks. So just close your eyes and imagine that uh, here in Provo. We Isn't have 13 there, on the season. I'm pretty sure Isn't there BYU's... one player who has like as many sacks as the whole BYU defense. They, I, I saw that one of their players has 10, so they have at least one double-digit sack. I think our leader has artist. three. Is that correct? That could very well could be correct. Let me find that. I want to say it's Tyler Batty. And then no one else has like one. Maybe Fowler, maybe that changed after Stanford because Lorenzo had a, a sack. Uh, it's actually, yeah. actually Fautea at 2.5. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And oh, San Jose so State's defense has uh, Cade Hall, who has 10 sacks in seven games. Good grief. And then Junior Fajoka, who has six sacks in eight games. I'm so they have two guys dreaming. who have. <laughs> it's the season for that, man. Ten sacks. I mean, can we get Cade Hall? 6'3", 270, defensive line. Cade Hall, ten sacks in seven games. Bring Lajoko. him on down. Fajoka, is that any relation to Simi? Um, I don't know. Let me look into it. I don't think so, but. 37 sacks. Uh, USC, by comparison, has 35. So, I mean, if we're talking about purely getting to the quarterback, as far as, like, defense goes, like. Bring them all. Yeah, for real. I don't want a single coach. I don't want a single coach on the defensive staff that wasn't a defensive lineman at some point. So like, I, I want, I want Sean Nua coaching our, our cornerbacks. All right. Fill, fulfill Trevor's dream of just sending as many corners as you can on quarter blitzes. Yes. Uh, update, update. I'm an idiot. And I was looking at the wrong year. Uh, I was looking at 2020 San Jose state defense, but still that's impressive. The top that's two guys from 20, this top two guys from 2020 and Derek Odom was the defensive coordinator in 2022. Top two guys for 2020 are still the top two guys in 2022. You have Junior Fajoko leading the way with nine. You have Cade Hall with seven and a half. And then you, who would do we say was the BYU's leader with two and a half? Lorenzo Faltea. And then you have three other guys that have more than two and a half sacks. So five guys total that have more sacks than BYU's leading sack getter. For reference, and- most teams only have four defensive linemen on the field at one time. So there's <laughs> I, they have I, 10 players. How many BYU players have recorded a sack this year? Because San Jose State has 10 players who have recorded a sack. Let's see. We have it's pretty well split. We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and then a half sack by Gabe Judy Lally. So, so 10. Um, they all just Ten have one, though. One sack each, essentially. <laughs> they're yeah. the, they're the Jamal State Williams has, of San Jose sacks. State has eight with multiple sacks. Um, I think there's a story that that deserves to be told in that with Derek Odom. I, I think I know that we've talked about this this season and last season in regards to 
players, it just seems like they were good. And then like the next year rolls around and they're not good anymore. And then like, maybe they have their moments and then they're not a couple good guys and they fall off the map. Like the fact that like Hunter mistakenly looked at the wrong defense and yet we come back a couple years later and those guys are still playing well. I think that says a lot actually about, I almost said, I almost said Greg Odom too. (laughs) Lamar Odom. I think that's something I, I don't know that actually, we're confusing a, like four people. <laughs> that's a big, that's a big, I think that's a big seller for me, actually. Uh, I mean, truth be told, I was in the group chat a couple of days ago, just saying like, Oh, we're, they're playing a bunch of mountain West teams. Like, you know, how good. Can what it a casual, be? what but a like, casual, <laughs> but consider me impressed. And, and maybe my thoughts are turned. And just to add to but that, not- does, Sorry, yeah, looking at his resume, he's been a secondary coach at Montana, Utah State, Houston, safeties coach at Utah, secondary coach at SMU. Uh, no, nowhere in there has he coached linebackers, edge rushers, defensive tackles. His coverage just must be in, in, insane. That has to be the case. Uh, and having guys consistently get to the QB, very impressive for a defensive coordinator who hasn't coached the front seven consistently. Well, and another thing, uh, he has experience in Texas. I think that's that's important. Uh, with BYU going to the Big 12, like it's important to have a guy who has those recruiting pipelines in Texas because that's going to be a huge part of BYU's program going forward. Um, but moving on from, from the coaching search, uh, transfer portal news. Um, I, I think the transfer portal opens up, if not this week, next week, right? I'm on it. Um, but regardless, a uh, bunch of – bunch of talented players have already announced that they're entering the transfer portal. Uh, we haven't seen that from BYU just yet. Um, I, I think it's good that we prepare ourselves uh, for if and when that, that time does come, we're probably going to see uh, uh, an outflow of BYU players going out, but we're also going to see an out, uh, an inflow of players coming in. You were saying Hunter. December 5th is when it December opens up. December 5th. All right. So, so next circle your calendars just a few days from now. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's going to be a lot of BYU. I think especially defensive guys that are going to be entering their names in the portal, especially now that they're, you know, their coach is gone, their coordinator is gone. Um, guys who probably were, would have been on the move regardless of if Tuiaki stuck around or not. Um, I think it's such a unique time in college football. Like look at USC. Like USC was not bowl eligible last year. And now they've brought in a new head coach. They got pretty much everyone through the transfer portal. And I know that this is, you know, an extreme example, but USC went from not bowl eligible to currently being in the college football playoff at the end of the regular season. And they did it by just getting all these guys in the transfer portal. Can I be honest? I love it so much. I love yeah, it. Yeah, why not? I, I, I know that coaches, there's so many the people uh, who I'm sure listen to this podcast that absolutely hate the transfer portal, hate NIL. My gosh, it's so much fun. Like, we, I, we, we've, we've all seen the 30 for 30s about the 1980s with the U and the, you know, the Pony Express or the Pony Excess documentary. Like, that was such an awesome time in college football. And now it's all legal. Yeah, why not? Let's have some. It's fun. amazing, Let and let's not forget. Let's not forget uh, that BYU thrived in that era of college football, where it was just the wild, wild west. Like, I, I, I think 
the transfer portal stuff doesn't totally bother me because BYU has been so successful at keeping guys from entering and then getting really good players to come through. Uh, and as far as NAL goes, like BYU has been awesome in that regard uh, at, at getting all that set up so quickly. But I just, I think it's good for college football. Uh, Cause no longer like if, you know, if a four or five star kid formally goes to Alabama and wants to get more playing time, well now he's transferring to, 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 you know, to a smaller program that now we're getting more parity in college football because people can transfer around so much. Like, I think that's, I think that's a good thing for college football, not a bad thing. Absolutely. And on the other end of that, you have players who can now receive NIL money that don't feel the pressure to have to go to the NFL a little bit early to provide for a family, to start making money. Um, they can stay uh, a little bit longer and play in the college ranks if they would like. Yeah. Um, so as far as uh, transfer potential transfer portal targets, uh, or I guess let's start with like potential guys that we could see leave BYU. Um, I think Peyton Wilgar has gone. Uh, I think there's more going on behind the scenes than, than we really know. Um, if I had to wager a guess, I think we're going to see a couple, maybe BYU backup receivers out the door. Um, maybe a couple line, maybe a couple other linebackers that weren't necessarily contributors this year. Um, and I think at the quarterback position, especially, I don't know, guys, I know a lot of BYU fans have been just itching to see how Jacob Conover does, but I think the fact that Jacob Conover came in and BYU turned into a triple option team without the option uh, kind of says a lot about where BYU's coaches think our quarterback situation lies next year. I mean, Jacob's been here for three years, three years. And like he was running the scout team in 2020. He backed up Jaron Hall in 2021 and he backed up Jaron Hall in 2022. And yet after three full seasons on the BYU football roster, when he came into the game, they wouldn't even call like bubble screens or quick slants. Like that's, it's, it tells you all you need to know. And I like Jacob. I think, I think he's talented, but like clearly the coaching staff either hasn't seen anything, hasn't seen enough to trust that he'll go in and be able to run the offense or make the throws. But after three years in the same system with the same coaches, you know, backing up the starter, you should be able to go into a game and not feel like you have to hand the ball off every single time. Is, is there any of that? Like just, just for the Stanford game, like just to play devil's advocate, because truth be told, I agree, but is there any saving grace for Jake in the fact that up to that point, BYU had just ran all over Stanford anyway? I mean, I would, to play devil's advocate to your devil's advocate, I would say, <laughs> isn't that the game where you would really let Jacob start to sling it because you're already bowl eligible? And what good does, you know, the fourth quarter and the game against Stanford really do for you in terms of the season? You would think that if you really wanted to see something from Jacob, you would have used that 15 minutes to kind of gauge what you have headed into next year. And, in, I mean, in, and what it equated to a, a meaningless game. And what I would say is, like, I agree with you, Trevor, that, I mean, BYU scored a touchdown on their first possession only running the ball. So, like, yes, I, I Aaron Roderick went on coordinator's corner and said, like, oh, that was our plan all along, even if Jaron was in there. Uh, however, 
I think we all knew once Jacob Conover was in there what the play calling was going to look like. And I was honestly shocked that he got one pass play. Like, I think everyone in the stadium, including Stanford's coaching staff, knew what was coming. And, you know, thank heavens they couldn't stop it. But I think we saw from the Utah State game last year the way that Roderick handled it and the way that, you know, Jaron was literally throwing with one arm or like he, he literally only had one arm this year That's for hard. half the games and it was the wrong arm uh, and Conover still wasn't in. Like I, th- I Again, I think it says a lot about what the, the staff thinks. Well, look, if there's one thing I've learned this year, it's that we can trust 100% whatever the coaching staff tells us about who's healthy, who's going to be available <laughs> for a game, uh, what the game plan was going in. Uh, no reason to doubt that whatsoever. Um, but yeah, and to be honest, if we're calling a spade a spade, if I was Jacob Conover, I would want out. Like, I, I can't imagine being Absolutely. a quarterback, throwing one pass into the dirt, and that that's all the exposure I get. Um, after two or three years of waiting, like Hunter mentioned, trying to show what I can do in practice. And that's the degree to which my coaching staff trusts me. Why wouldn't he leave? Uh, and wish him all the best if he does decide to go. If he stays, I'd love to see him ball out. But uh, I would have a hard time wanting to stay if I was in this position. Yeah, I, I just keep going back to the fact like it wasn't just a Stanford game, right? Like it was the end of the Utah Tech game. It was the end of the Utah State game when Jaron was clearly hurt. It was the end of like the Liberty game when BYU was getting blown out and there was no need to keep Jaron in the game and risk any more injury. It was the Notre Dame game in which I think Jacob got, I don't know if the majority or a pretty heavy dose of, you know, starter reps in practice leading up to Notre Dame and they still you know threw jaron out there with some duct tape around his throwing (laughs) shoulder and said let's see what you can do like there's been multiple instances in which you would say makes sense to put conover in here and they didn't do it and then when they were forced to do it because jaron got hurt they just said all right chris brooks like take us home like you wouldn't trust him at all you know the even the utah state game last year you didn't really see anything from jacob Uh, And I don't want to turn it into just, you know, a Jacob roast session here because I do (laughs) like the kid and I think he's talented, like I said earlier. And I if he does decide to move on, I wish him all the best. I think he could be a pretty good quarterback. Um, But when we saw Baylor Romney come in, you know, for whether it was for Zach or whether it was for Jaron, like he still threw the ball. Like you you remember those Yeah, like you remember in 2020 when Zach would come out like mid-third quarter because BYU was up 40. Like if there ever was a time to just hand the ball off to Tyler Algier every play, it's that because you're up by 100 against some low-level G5 team and your quarterback's out and the backup's in and they still were throwing the ball with Baylor Romney. And Baylor Romney showed flashes and he showed you why they were trusting him to throw the ball. You just haven't seen anything like that from Jacob. So I don't know why I would think that Oh, Jaron's leaving. Kate Jacobs, the next man up. I think BYU absolutely, back to the original point, hits the transfer portal uh, for a quarterback this offseason, if not two quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I mean, I think they need two. Uh, with and with Conover, I think it's, I think it's safe to assume he's probably gone after this year. Uh, I think his his soon to be fiance, if if not his fiance, is also might be transferring off the soccer team. So like there's, there's a bunch of other factors going on here, but I think like the best thing for Conover's career is to get a fresh start. But I think we also need to stop going off of like the recruiting hype for Conover. Like if I, if I have to hear one more time that he turned down Nick Saban, like that's not how it went. Uh, And like, when you look at 
when you look at his 24 seven profile, we keep hearing, Oh, Conover was like, you know, four-star recruit. The only service that had him as a four-star recruit was ESPN and ESPN gives their star ratings based off of who their offers are not based off of tape. Uh, and so like naturally when he got that Alabama offer, ESPN goes, Oh, he got an offer from Alabama. Let's put him at a four star. And I think ESPN was broadcasting a couple games from Chandler high school that year. So it also like it, it behooved them to show like, Oh, we have, you know, other, other guys coming, but like all the other recruiting services had him as a mid three star. And like, if I mean, if I told you that like writer Burton is a quarterback who's currently committed to BYU, who has the same 24 seven star rating, most of you guys probably don't even know who writer Burton is. Uh, and so I mean, that, that's kind of where I stand on Conover. It's like, it's a bummer that it didn't work out, but I think the hype was probably a little too much from the jump. Yeah. I mean, Alabama, like teams offer like non-committable offers all the time. And I don't want to say it was non-committable because I don't know, but like, like you said, like his, uh, his ranking, his recruiting ranking is that of a Ryder Burton and Ryder Burton doesn't have an Alabama offer. Right. He has any offers. Yeah. But like it's, that's probably a fair comparison in terms of actual high school uh, project. But but speaking of of the future of the quarterback position. Yeah. Give me your ideal. Yeah. Like give me, give me your (laughs) ideal scenario. Cause like where, where it stands right now, next year, assuming Jaron doesn't come back, which I, am not so sure on like i think there's a chance he could uh right now as it stands it's jacob conover Cade finnegan who's probably gonna who might medically retire because he's had a lot of injury issues soldier mayava peters and nick billups that's our quarterback room right now give me nick Uh, billups as as your initial class going into the big 12 so uh we need to hit the portal about as hard as anybody uh but the good news is there's no shortage Uh, there's a lot of guys already so guys like Hank Bachmeyer is in the portal. Hudson Card, formerly at Texas, is in the portal. Okay, McNamara is in the portal. Uh, Luke Altmeyer from Ole Miss, uh, who got beat out by uh, Jackson Dart earlier this year. He's in the portal. Uh, I mean, so there, there's no shortage of big names. Um, so I guess what is your ideal quarterback situation look like going into next season? Let's start with uh, Let's start with Chandler. Yeah, uh, let's see. Cade McNamara, come on down. Uh, my pitch would be like, hey, you, we have one of the better pass blocking O-lines in the country, a very deep wide receiver room. Uh, and we've talked about this strategy before of we want to try to find somebody who has two or three years of eligibility left. That's certainly a factor. Or are we OK with maybe just a grad transfer with one year of eligibility? Um, seeing if we can go after an Isaac Wilson or, or kind of get back on uh, with some of the hot leads for young quarterback recruits. That'd be great. Uh, I'd love certainly to see a grad transfer, somebody with some experience that can help uh, kind of anchor the ship a bit as opposed to someone with a little bit less experience. So count me in for one of the grad transfers. Yeah, grad transfers would be Cade McNamara, Connor Bazilek from Indiana. I'm probably not saying that right. Uh, or Davis Brin from Tulsa. Are you, the three grad transfers, at least that we have on this list that have already said that they're entering the portal. I mean, among that list, obviously give me Kate McNamara. But I mean, again, these are these are bit. all like long yeah. shots. He's got no ties to BYU whatsoever, but a kid can dream. Yeah, but uh, this is the transfer portal. Like guys are gonna 
go where they can play. You know, I don't think that, you know, it's not like they're committing to BYU for four or five years and, you know, a BYU degree. But it's like, as is how many quarterback jobs are better than BYU right now? Like if you're, if you're a quarterback, depends. In the portal, <laughs> like, depends. I mean, it's, I think there's P five job. It's wide open. You have two quarterbacks in a row now that are going to be in the NFL uh, that, you know, I've put up, you know, 3000 yard seasons, third touchdown seasons. I think it depends on wide receivers, what the wide receiver room looks like. Is Puka gone? Is Gunner gone? Does anyone transfer? Like if you come in and you have Chase Roberts, Keanu Hill, and Cody Epps, and you say these are our three guys, then I think you have a pretty, you know, an outside shot at landing one of those, uh, you know, name guys. I think if Puka comes back, which I don't think you will, but let's say for the sake of the argument, he does come back and you say, okay, we have these four guys coming back and we have two last two quarterbacks have gone on to be drafted into the NFL. We have, you know, Aaron Roderick and Fessy Satake, you know, we're going into the P five. Then I think you have a better chance, but I think it all kind of depends on how the position group rooms shape up, you know, who, who's going to be the running back, right? Cause Chris Brooks is gone. Lupini Katoa is gone. Like you can't just be like, Hey, we have miles Davis and Hinkley Rapati. Like you probably need to get a transfer running back in. Um, yeah. You kind of have to let the roster take shape a little bit before I could say confidently whether BYU has a shot at those guys or not. Yeah, I think it's fair. To be to be frank, I I worry a little if we have a shot at any of them if Jaron decides to stay. Um, just because I feel like Jaron has proven to be very good. I mean, he's been a hot topic. Him and his accuracy has been a hot topic on this podcast for two years now to be frank since its inception a a year ago um but these are guys like you have to ask yourself why are they in the portal and it's because they want to play and 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 so like that's something that it's it's kind of an interest it's put me in an interesting place because hunter you obviously mentioned i think it was the last time we recorded a couple weeks ago that you know, you'd love to see a quarterback that can kind of grow with BYU as we kind of go through our kind of growing stages and our growing pains within the Big 12. And there are some guys, I mean, we have a huge list here. There there are guys with three years of eligibility, two years of eligibility, three years, three years, three years, potentially four years if they ended up uh, redshirting that could do just that with BYU. Like they could grow with BYU um, but clearly they want to go to a place where they can play. And so it's put me in a weird position as a fan where obviously I think in the short term, I want Jaron, like he's the safe pick, right? Like he's the one that has been in the offense forever. He's seen good competition, but then you just wonder what the fallout's going to be from that, because then you have to hope that there's enough people entering the transfer portal next year for when he for sure has to leave. And, and it, I don't, I don't know. Is is this like, are these numbers a normal amount of QBs? I mean, this seems yeah, like you're a gonna lot. Have this, you're going to have this many guys every year, I think. Oh yeah. You're going to, you're going to have more. Like this is the reality of college year. football now. I think what was it, 40%, 40% of starting quarterbacks this year are transfers. Yeah. From somewhere. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. And, like, and, guys and maybe it's fine. But, right. No, but I, I, but I think you bring up a great point. And I think it's a, a good question to ask is, 
like, would you rather have another year of Jaron Hall and like knowing, knowing what Jaron Hall can offer, assuming health, would you rather have another year of Jaron Hall or three years of Kyron drones from Baylor or Kyron drone from Baylor? Three years of Kyron drones. I'd take anyone on this list over one more year of Jaron Hall. And that's really? not be yes, that's and that's not because I you, don't you would rather have Will Haskell from San Diego State. Yes. Over Jaron yes. for a year. And and wow. it's not because of skill set. It's because I don't want Jaron back. I want him to go to the NFL. I don't want him to come back. I don't want him next spring to be 26 years old, coming off a year in which BYU lost their best receiver, their starting top two running backs, half their offensive line. Oh, and you had to play a Big 12 schedule for the first time in school history. Like that's not going to help his draft stock. Like okay, there's so a we're small, saying, small we're saying chance. This for, we're saying this for his benefit, not necessarily yes, for ours. For his okay. benefit and for my benefit, because then I can say, hey, BYU's got three quarterbacks in the NFL. You got Taysom Hill, you got Zach Wilson, you got Jaron Hall. Like you had us in the first half, not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> that's but why I, I want any one of these guys, because whoever comes to BYU is going to take some lumps. It's not going to be smooth sailing. Like I'm, we've already talked about BYU's probably five and seven next year in the Big 12. And I don't want that to, guy to be Jaron. I want Jaron yeah. to go out, you know, on a high note, go out, win this bowl game, have your pro day, maybe go to the combine, be a late round draft pick. Like that's what I want for Jaron. I don't want Jaron Hall coming back to BYU. I don't. And that's yeah. the, un, I guess that's unselfish of me. Well, also a little bit selfish. But like, give me any one of these guys to come in and bridge that gap from Jaron Hall to either Ryder Burton, maybe Isaac Wilson, whoever the next BYU quarterback is, right? Because there's this weird gap now because BYU is not going to start true freshman Ryder Burton. Isaac Wilson is still a year out and he's the one that all the BYU fans want and we'll see what happens, you know, but like, whoever is the BYU quarterback that they get in a transfer portal is going to be that bridge guy. He's going to be the one that ushers BYU into the big 12 era. And then whoever takes over after him is going to be like the future BYU quarterback. Right. Yeah. And well, so that's, so that's why I want one of these guys. I don't know if I want one year, like a Cade McNamara, but two years from a Hank Bachmeyer, I think would be good. Two years, um, you know, from Malik Hornsby. And th these are just names that I'm putting out, not necessarily names that I think BYU could get, but one of those kind of guys, a Brett Gabbert from Miami, Ohio. Give me Luke two Altmeier's, years. Luke Altmaier is not bad either from Ole Miss. Yeah, I think he has three years. I want someone who's going to be two years. A year next year in the Big 12, that's Ryder Burton's freshman year. And then a second year, that would be Ryder Burton's sophomore year slash potentially Isaac Wilson's freshman year. Then they're gone, and then you let... This is my dream scenario. The race is on. Then, yes, my dream scenario is that after those two years, you let Ryder Burton and you let Isaac Wilson battle it out for the starting quarterback job. Even if they have three years of eligibility, you know, A-Rod will put them in the NFL here in two, so nothing to worry about. <laughs> uh, doesn't matter. We're just going to keep pumping out QBs in the NFL. That is no, true. Yeah, give me Hudson Card. Like, if I could pick anyone on that list, dream scenario would be Hudson Card, and it would be exactly that. He balls out for two years. You know, you go to him, you pitch him on the idea of, hey, you're coming from Texas, come to BYU, be the face of BYU as they enter the Big 12. You're already familiar with the Big 12 talent and your opponents there. Be the guy that takes this program into the P5 level. Come play for two years, then go to the NFL because the last two guys under Aaron Roderick have done just that. And then 
you have Isaac Wilson and uh, Ryder Burton battle it out for the starting job. Like that's and, that if I could paint a perfect picture and say, this is my dream, it'd be exactly that. It, and, and, and it's not, it's been painted. I, I see it, Hunter. I, I'm, I'm ready. So to, I, I'm ready to pay my ticket. <laughs> We're, and, we got the hype train and the QB train. And, and I'm like, on it, Hunter. All aboard. And as far as NIL goes, like BYU is not to gossip BYU too much, but it's like BYU is a competitive player. In, in the NIL space. Like, if you're more competitive come, if you subscribe to Coop Connect, shout out. Yes, That's please subscribe to Coop Connect. Uh, we'll talk about that probably a little later. But, um, like, in, in the NIL space, like, Jaron Hall could easily make mid six figures next season if he came back. He could probably make seven figures if he came back. Uh, and that's not that's not just a guess. That's like I these are things that I am hearing hashtag sources that like Jaron Jaron has like being quarterback at BYU is worth a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so th- I mean that that's where BYU has an advantage over some of these other schools. Maybe I don't know what that I don't know what the NIL space looks like at Iowa State, for example. Um, Probably trash. But. I mean, if, if Utah up, up the road is any indication, like a lot of schools are still really behind in the NIL space. BYU is not. Um, so I, I think in terms of that, like BYU should swing for the fences for whatever kind of quarterback they want because of not, not only of that, but you can also pitch, look at what we've done with Zach Wilson. Look what we did with Jaron Hall. Look at what we did to a lesser extent with Taysom Hill. Like we have, we have the NFL pedigree. If that's what you want, we also have the money. If that's what you want, we have the scheme. If that's what you want, where we're just going to throw it all over the place. Like this is a fantastic place. Yeah, and like we we got a we got a solid stable receivers coming back. Like BYU is a fantastic place to be if you're a transfer quarterback looking for a home. Um, Yeah, I mean Hudson Card would be. Let us be your home, Hudson Card. Awesome. (laughs) I. I think you nailed it right on the head, Joe. That was that was a point that I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit more. Is obviously, you know, Hunter brought up what the wide receiver room is going to look like. I, I think Roderick, outside of fourth and third and one, um, has shown that he knows how to sling the football around the around the field and make it really easy uh, for quarterbacks. And so, like any of these guys, if they can throw a football, should be pretty good. Um, and I think. I think as a quarterback, you look at that, you look at a quarterback friendly um, and really a quarterback centered offense. And, and frankly, I'd be liking my chops. Like I don't like, we obviously need to reach out to those guys, but if I was one of them, I'd, I'd get, be getting in line to, to talk to Aaron Roderick about the potential of playing at BYU. Quarterback. You it's back. Bring it the quarterback back. factory. Well, at um, what point do we say is the quarterback factory officially back? Because it was what? Like you had McMahon go to the NFL, then you had Steve Young go to the NFL, and the next guy to go to the NFL after that. I guess Bosco played in the NFL a little bit. Mark Wilson. We need one more guy. Do you need three? If you because if you have Taysom and then you have Zach and then you have Jaron, that's three. Is that enough or do you need one more? I think I think you have three in the NFL and then one playing well. Okay. Uh, in at BYU. So Hudson Card, be the be the quarterback factory, uh, cherry on top. All right, uh, BYU's bull eligible, um, and fine. I think we're we're starting to get hints of where BYU is going to where where BYU is going to be. Uh, spoiler alert: 
uh, I think we might be disappointed. Uh, As is tradition. Oh, man. For, for all the love that we hear that ESPN has for BYU, they have sure shafted BYU <laughs> in terms of bowl games as long as I can remember. Like, I mean, let's – like in the independence era, uh, I guess let's just go back to since Kalani's had the job. Boca, Boca, um, Raton, Boca Raton in 2020 was pretty dope. That was, oh, it was fun. But, like, when was the last time BYU had a P5 opponent in a bowl game? Utah in 2015? Uh, let's look at the bowl game history. Because, I mean, 2016, you went to the Poinsettia Bowl against Wyoming. So, 2017 didn't happen. First for, year of first year of independence was what, 2011? Yeah. So 2011, you played in the Bell Helicopter Armed Forces Bowl against Tulsa. Great game. 2012, uh, Poinsettia Bowl against San Diego State. 2013, Fight Hunger Bowl against Washington. P5. That was pretty good. That was in San Francisco, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, the 2014 Miami Beach Bowl against Memphis. Miami's pretty nice. Uh, 2015 Las Vegas Bowl against Utah. Then Kalani came in, and you have uh, Poinsettia Bowl against Wyoming, Idaho Potato Bowl against Western Michigan, Hawaii Bowl against Hawaii, Boca Raton Bowl against UCF, and Birmingham, or not Birmingham, Shreveport against UAB. So you were actually getting like pretty decent bowls during the Bronco independence years. I don't know. I mean, but, I don't like, think that has anything was to do that, with it. But, but like BYU's yes. had one P5 opponent in a bowl game since BYU's gone independent. And I guess no, that's the nature of two. independence. Two. Oh, sorry, Utah. Washington and Utah. Uh, but I mean, I, I guess that's the nature of, I guess that's the nature of independence where you're just kind of a free agent most years for bowl games. Um, but I, so it looks like, it sounds like our options this year, uh, if Aaron Roderick's to be believed, um, he said that the bowl game is probably going to be played on December 17th. Uh, and when you factor in um, bowl tie-ins already with the conferences, you're left with the New Mexico Bowl, the Lending Tree Bowl, and the Frisco Bowl. Um, I think one of those would have the potential to play P5, if I'm not mistaken, in the Lending Tree Bowl, which only means that welcome to Albuquerque, BYU, you're probably going to play in the New Mexico Bowl, if history is any indication. New Mexico is most likely, but – for the sake of time just go around pick what bowl game of those three and then your dream of a dream realistic opponent rather than trying to break down every single possibility frisco bowl against kansas okay not to be not to be uncreative but that would also be mine as well i'd love to play i'd love to play kansas where they're half decent okay give me your second choice then uh, Frisco Bowl against uh, Houston. I think that would be a fun game to kind of rehash from two years ago heading into the Big 12. Okay. I know it's not P5, but that'd be that'd be fun. One. I mean, kind of P5. I'll count it. <laughs> uh, as a Frisco native, yeah, give me the Frisco Bowl. Uh, I played in that stadium in, in high school. I would certainly love to, to be back there. It'd be fun. Flex. What a it was fun. It was fun. No big deal. Uh, being a Frisco native, I've heard that ESPN has done some outreach to see if that's a possibility. Uh, they've just wanted to check in, see how the attendance might be. Um, if we were to play a, a school like Houston, it'd be nice to see that attendance fill up. Um, stadium's not not massive, so I imagine that that should be pretty doable. Uh, but yeah, I certainly love to see uh, if we're going to rehash old games. Why not Coastal Carolina? Uh, why not have one more shot at it? Ooh, that would Yuck. be. I'd love that. Yeah. 
yeah, give me Frisco. I think playing Air Force would be really fun. Just kind of, you know, have your last game as an independent be a former Mountain West Conference rival. I also think there would be a certain irony if like BYU's last game as an independent was the New Mexico Bowl against New Mexico State and just like a poop fest all over <laughs> oh, but, as a crowning jewel of independence. But wasn't that, didn't BYU play in the New Mexico Bowl in the their last, yeah, the last, their last year in the Mountain West? Last year as a Mountain West team was New Mexico Bowl. Like, New Mexico, doesn't Utah. New Mexico State have to get like a play yeah their game against was it san jose state yeah. got canceled and so they only played 11 games and they went five and six so they're trying Oof, to get a like bummer. a waiver so that they would be ahead of all the five and seven teams on the list of who gets in because like if there's not enough six win teams to make bowl games then it goes to all the five and seven teams and then it's like academic progress rate is how they determine who gets first dibs but New Mexico State's trying to get around that by saying, like, hey, we would have been bowl eligible if we if our game didn't get canceled. So we should have they would they have the <laughs> no, <laughs> but like who knows? You can't say they would or wouldn't have. Yeah, so. that's fair. They'd be playing Derek Odom, San Jose yeah, State. Yeah, not with not I mean, with hey, New Mexico, New Mexico State smacked the crap out of Liberty. Who's okay, we're not we're not talking about so. this. We're not talking about transitive property here. This isn't geo- this isn't Oh, I said geometry, math class, whatever. I don't know when we learned about the transitive property. As you can tell. <laughs> Gosh, I'm tired. Uh, but yeah, most likely, I think Brett McMurphy had BYU on the New Mexico Bowl against San Jose State. And I think at this point, uh, Brett McMurphy is probably about as plugged in as it gets. Uh, the guy so, loves bowl predictions. My so I would, I would bank on the New Mexico Bowl against a Mountain West opponent. Yay. Yeah, give me New Mexico Bowl. And New Mexico State. Poop. Poop all over. <laughs> um, like, or what about uh, rice? Give me rice. I love rice. Love it. I, I eat rice for every rice. meal. Right. <laughs> I mean, Albuquerque in mid-December is going to be... <laughs> oh... The best thing to happen to that state since Breaking Bad. T's and P's to the BYU fans who plan on making a bowl game trip. Um, Shout outs at the end. One of the shout outs could connect. And then I got one as well. Yeah. So uh, we've sold out officially. Uh, We have sponsors now. As Hunter is about about to share. Uh, Coot Connect is not a sponsor, but they are a friend of the program. Uh, Please go and and, uh, get a subscription to Coot Connect. Um, if you're looking for this information, this inside information that we're teasing, uh, Kuganect has it for you where you don't have to have it teased. You can just get the information. Uh, so Trevor is uh, somehow in that group. I don't know. How, do you? Oh, I, I was. I was. No, I was too. Uh, but the, I left. He added all the hype train guys except for. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Jake's a homie. Jake's a homie. And so I talked yeah. to him directly. Uh, although, although he deserves heck, $10, he deserves ten dollars a month for me, so I need right. on that. So. But it's ten dollars a month. Uh, if you pay, if you choose to sign up with a particular player, that player gets money uh, for the life of your subscription. Um, I think we got him like I think I just tweeted it out last uh, a couple days ago, and they got something like ten new spawn like ten new subscriptions in like a couple wow, hours. Fancy, so that was pretty sweet. Uh, Put me on so, That's why you got that's why you got box seats to the BYU game last night. Give me Cody Epps. Give me Cody Epps. Yep. Uh, Hunter, what's your what's your plug? 
Yeah, you guys may have noticed uh, I'm wearing my new favorite BYU hat from Wooden Grail. Former BYU football player uh, Alex Caressa has started a BYU apparel line, makes awesome hats. And I'm not kidding when I say it's my favorite BYU hat. I've, You guys know me. You know how big of a hat guy I am. I have a hat for every day of the year. And I've been looking high and low for good BYU ones. And I'd always go to the BYU bookstore. They'd have okay ones, never ones that I truly loved. Um, and then I found this one from Wooden Grail that Alex put out. It's awesome. It's the Royal and Cream. Joe, I think you have the same hat. Yeah, um, you know, you know when you when you introduce someone to like your favorite song and they think it's dope too. That's how I felt when Hunter chose that yes. hat. I tried it on. Joe had it on at the BYU game, BYU versus ECU game. We were sitting next to each other. I said, "Hey, let me try that hat on. Like, I need to know uh, how good these hats are." Great. I wear it to every BYU game I've gone to since, uh, BYU basketball games as well. And our Christmas present to all the Hype Train listeners is 10% off your next order at Wooden Grail, woodengrail.com using the code HYPETRAIN10. That's Hype Train and then the number 1010. You can go get 10% off. They also got some sick hat pins uh, or luggage pins or whatever you want to pin them on. Got awesome pins. Got myself a couple today. Uh, great stuff that Alex is doing over there at Wooden Grail. And I know that BYU fans have been complaining about the BYU store not having great stuff. Well, you can go over to woodengrail.com, get 10% off your order again with the code HYPETRAIN10. And, I mean, there there probably will be a little bit of sticker shock. They are they are expensive hats, but hats but are also it. really expensive to make. So, worth it. But it's, like, it's super high quality off. and you get 10% off. So Can I? It was worth it because of the packaging too. Like I bought this one myself that I'm wearing, um, you know, before we had any sort of deal with Alex. And when I went and I cut open the box and I opened it and it, he had rigged it to play the BOU fight song once the That's box so was sick. opened. Wow. So when, I, when those, I go and pick up my next one from him, I'm going to yeah. need him to give me the box with it. It's the little details like that. Super cool. Like I said, my favorite BOU hat I've owned probably in my entire life. Uh, and Joe said they're, they are, they're premium hats, so they come at a premium cost. They're not the, you know, $15 cheap game day hats that you would find at Smith's. Um, but you can get 10% off, get a little bit of some Christmas savings code hype train 10. You, but, you've been, but you've here's, been, oh, go ahead, finish. <laughs> but here's the thing as an accountant, here's my rule. Yes. Do you, will you wear it enough to get it down to a dollar per wear? I've already worn it. It's probably at 50 cents per wear for me yeah so like if i mean if you wear it enough like you might as well spend the money on something you'd actually yeah. wear so instead of going and paying like 30 bucks on a hat you'll never wear at the bookstore yeah. pay 50 bucks for this hat exactly and they're cool like they're unique designs it's not the same old stretch y you know sailor coog logo on the front they're unique they've got the side patches here if you're watching you can see on the screen uh you guys if you're listening they have like cool side patches Packaging is awesome. The fit is perfect. I have a very uh, large head, I guess. Um, so dad hats and those kind of hats don't always agree with my head, head size, but this one, magnificent. Love it. You've been paying 10% from your paycheck. We're giving it back. Exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and to be honest- We've been taking 10%. No, here's, no, here's 10%. <laughs> and, and to be honest, like I'm not a hat guy. And I saw that I saw that on on Hunter's Melon to start this uh, podcast, and I was like, you know what, I might wear that. Yeah, without not even knowing about the deal, Trevor was like, "Well, that's an awesome hat." It's like, man, if only Trevor, I you got can get ten percent off. off. 
10% off using the code HYPETRAIN10. Check them out. Very trendy. Um, I know some people were like, oh, why is the Brigham upside down? Because that's, well, that's what the youths are wearing nowadays. That's what's in style. Um, very cool hats. We made it, guys. We got a, a, shout we out. Got a sponsor. Yes, we made it. And it's a cool sponsor, too. Like, <laughs> I this, know I mean, maybe it's a sponsor sounds, I like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is, like, we, we've been doing this for over a year now. We could have t- been taking on sponsors, but we're not going to shell out um, and try to move product that we don't actually like. And so Coog Connect and Wooden Grail Hats are two companies that we actually really like and support and uh, they do awesome things. So those are the guys we want to partner with. So check them out. Love it. Uh, Code Hype Train for, 10. One last thanks, thanks for listening to that three minute commercial. Uh, anything else BYU <laughs> sports related uh, to I make it from... worth the while of the people listening still? Could you tell I came from radio? And, and that was well it, was, it was effortless. It sounded like yeah. you were reading it. It was absolutely No, it's effortless. how I feel in my heart of hearts. Uh, Everyone should get a shout wooden out. grill hat with the code HYPETRAIN10. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so closing shout out, uh, BYU basketball is back. Uh, in All fact, uh, beating Dayton after 23 points down and then shooting – I didn't know it was possible. 72% from three in the first half yesterday against Westminster. So School record. School record. Sheesh. 19 threes. Who hit the 19th? Do we know? Was it uh, Tanner? Oh, gosh. Was I think Richie so. Saunders? And then they could. They didn't hit one for the final eight minutes. I was sitting there. <laughs> I was sitting there in the arena just like waiting for the 20th to go down That's so we so could awesome. go home. And it so never awesome. happened. But go Cougs. BYU's in everything school once again. BYU back. And screw Stanford.